Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are uh, on the dawn of a new day. It's a brand new show because it is the start of a league year. Gone is Beck, Beck in Black, and here is Know Your Enemy. Tonight, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. Perfect. And uh, from uh, Big Blue View, Joe DeLeon, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's been so long, this whole offseason, just dealing with all the weird stuff going on, not having any preseason games. We finally get some football this Monday. I'm just excited to actually preview a game and talk about something. Yeah, I, I, uh, I couldn't uh, agree more with that. Uh, I, I'm, of course, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Michael Beck. And I, I only echo those uh, those sentiments. I'm super excited. Thursday night football tomorrow, we are, uh, we are ready to go. Uh, I can't wait for Monday night. Um, so, uh, Jeffrey, I'll kick it over to you. Are, are you excited for football to be back as well? <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Partly because partly my job gets easier when there's actually things to write about. <laughs> now joe just to learn a little bit about yourself um before we, we get going here um what is uh what is your role with the big blue view and uh if you could also touch on uh, your time as a long snapper and uh where you're kind of hoping uh, that that uh, leads to so i am a, a podcast produce uh producer and host with us uh with with big blue view i host the chris and joe show which is the analysis show we break everything down. We do scouting report, preview stuff each week, and then we also break down the film after the games. A lot of all that stuff, but the intricacies of the film, all of the good good stuff that you want to hear, not not so much the news that we cover. Um, I also do a lot of stuff with the social media as well as a lot of content on YouTube, a lot of videos and that stuff. So the, you referenced the, the, the long snapper um point about about me i played four years at the university of rhode island uh, i snapped all four years as a starter and i'm currently an uh, nfl free agent didn't get a ton of interest during this current draft cycle just because of the whole mess of things that we were talking about before we we hopped in here it was a little bit tough to get, uh, get any traction or any attention with no pro days going on but still living the dream and still trying to fight for that opportunity to possibly play in the nfl someday that is awesome. Uh, we, we wish you the best of luck for that. That's, Thank uh, you. That's pretty exciting stuff. Might as well jump right into into things here. Um, first thing off the top here, what's the Giants' biggest strength heading into this game? My The biggest thing that I've said pretty much this whole offseason with anybody that I've talked to, the defensive line has to be the strongest unit on this team. You just look at all those names across the board – they're all space eaters. They're all very good at diverting attention. Not really getting sack production on the interior, but you have Dexter Lawrence, who is a tremendous defensive tackle, even though he's built like a nose tackle. Dalvin Tomlinson is one of the most underrated nose tackles in the NFL. His name doesn't really get talked about enough for what he does when it comes to taking away attention from guards and centers. And then even though Leonard Williams has not really performed to what the way that we've really hoped since he came into the league with the Jets, he's still a very, very good defensive lineman. So all three of those guys, not to mention you have BJ Hill as a rotational piece, they're all very good with taking up space, making things easy for linebackers to move free, and then also opening things up for edge rushers. Perfect. Now, Jeffrey, Steelers, of course, it's rumored that David DeCastro will not be uh, starting this game, uh, battling a calf injury throughout training camp. 
like Joe said, they're, the strength of their teams are defensive line. Uh, Stefan Wisniewski is going to get his first start at right guard. Matt Filer's bouncing back in at left guard. Zach Banner was just named starting tackle. Could the Steelers' O-line struggle against that defensive uh, front? I could see it. I think Wisniewski is going to be all right. Um, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Um, but I think we could we could see struggles, for example, if Marquise Pouncey isn't you know do, doing better than he was last year. He's he's a little vulnerable and and like like uh, Joe said, they've got a they've got a pretty dang good nose tackle. If they can win the center of that line, uh, it makes Ben Ben Roethlisberger's life a lot harder. No kidding. Now, um, Jeff uh, Jeffrey, rather, I'll uh, I'll get you to just say what the Steelers' strengths is and see if the the Giants can combat that. What's what's the biggest strength on the Steelers' uh, roster? It's got to be the edge rushers. Uh, Bud Dupree and TJ Watt are just, they're absolutely in their prime right now. That's thats the big thing with this year is you got Bud Dupree in a contract year right after breaking out, and he looks phenomenal uh, this camp. TJ Watt, as good as he was last year, rumors are he looks better. So he's hes still ascending. He's a defensive player of the year candidate, and those, those two can just take over the entire game. Right now, Joe, um, of course, first-round pick, uh, Andrew Thomas, going to be a tackle there um I, I believe the on the other side i'm blanking on the name but uh a pick from a year ago if i have that right sophomore player it's uh it's cam fleming that's going to be starting at, at right tackle who is a, a veteran backup in this in the league he played with the cowboys most recently so he knows jason garrett and then he was also with the new england patriots so he knows joe judge has not really started so he is going to be very vulnerable when facing tj watt Right now, now this matchup here is that uh, is that one you're worried about uh, those two guys versus Watt and Dupree? Yeah, I mean, especially the the TJ Watt Cam Fleming matchup, and I, I just recorded our preview show today, and we spent a majority of the show praising TJ Watt and what he does against pretty good right tackles. There were game uh, plays in the. Indianapolis Colts game going against Braden Smith where he made him look silly and he's supposed to be a very good right tackle. I watch what TJ Watt does, that signature rip move where he dips his shoulder and then comes right up. Nobody can counter that. I don't know if Cam Fleming can even handle that because he's barely played in this league. So even though I am a supporter of the Giants and I cover them, I am legitimately concerned about having to deal with TJ Watt. Now, on the other hand, with Bud Dupree, Andrew Thomas is going to get thrown into the fire going against a very good pass rusher, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has a decent day. He's going to give up some pressures. He might give up a sack, but if, if he stays consistent and doesn't get completely dominated, I think that's a huge win for a guy that didn't have any preseason games. Right now, Jeffrey and I were talking about this a little bit off air um, when it comes to double teams. Uh, for me, I was thinking maybe, uh, m- maybe Andrew Thomas gets that help, but then, T.J. Watt, someone that uh, is going to be viewed highly as a potential defensive player of the year. What side's getting this double team? Is there there a recipe for that? uh, See, I I don't even know if double teaming is the right idea. My my co-host Chris brought this up because the issue with that is you divert attention away with a guard and then you still have Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt. You guys have really good interior defensive linemen. So you you pick your poison. If you try to double team on one end, you're going to get killed from one gap or the other. The only thing I will say is I at least am willing to see what Andrew Thomas does against Bud Dupree. I have no idea what Cam Fleming is going to do against TJ Watt. I, I think that uh, that is going to be a much 
worse matchup than the Andrew Thomas versus Bud Dupree one. Right. Now, Jeffrey, I pose this to you. Stefan Tuitt's coming back. Um, he was arguably the team, the entire team's best player through six games last year. Could he have the same impact that uh, he was bringing a year ago? Well, like Joe was saying, uh, if you focus on TJ Watt, like teams were early in, in 2019, Stefan Tuitt's going to just tear you apart. Um, the year before that, 2018 with TJ over there, they were focusing more on Tuitt, and TJ spent the whole first part of the season just terrorizing teams. But when you look at their first like five, six games, even though the stats individually are different, combined, the two have very similar stats. So it basically depends on like how you want to lose there. You're going to face trouble. But for Stefan Tuitt in this matchup, uh, I don't see him having a great day simply because right guard Kevin Zeitler has seen him. Like that guy, he was a he was a he was a Brown, he was a Bengal. Uh, he he knows Stefan Tuitt. He knows Cameron Hayward. He knows what they're in for. So I, I think the interior line, they can they can handle what what the Steelers are bringing there. Um, it's it's the question, like you said, is if they have to focus too much on stopping T.J. Watt, that's going to open everything up then. Right now, all that might not matter too much because uh, one, Mr. Saquon Barkley is one of the most special talents in the NFL. Joe, I, I pose this to you first. Um, can he completely take this game over and uh, bring a, bring a, a win home uh, with him at, at uh, game's end? Yeah, I think that Saquon Barkley is one of the few unique running backs in the NFL that, despite the matchup, can always take over a game. It just all depends on how you properly scheme against him. You see lackluster and average defenses like the Jets come able to completely take him out of the game, but he'll still have big performances against quality defenses. He is that type of a player. He's a home run hitter. So if you cut down on those cutback lanes and you are gap and uh, – uh, assignment sound it's able it's a little bit easier to shut him down um but I think that like you said Saquon is fully capable of taking over a game if he needs to but if you shut down any opportunities for him to run the ball in any available lanes and you force Daniel Jones to possibly throw too much it could be a little bit easier than it sounds right now Jeffrey how are the Steelers going to try to uh, slow down uh, Barkley I, I think like you said like they're They've done a really good job of gap integrity. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see. I don't know how Andrew Thomas is at run defense, but Bud Dupree has been just – last year came on as an absolute monster and, and against the run. Uh, T.J. Watt is really good crashing inside. So normally you'd expect Saquon Barkley to take kind of an inside run, break it outside approach, but the Steelers can handle that. Like uh, we were, They were underrated in run defense last year, even though they faced a lot of run plays uh, with their offense being so bad. But uh, I do think the Steelers can handle Saquon Barkley in the run game, at least slow him down. Like if he's not if he's not breaking long runs and killing you there, then then you can still win this game. Like you're he's not he'd have to really dominate. Um, and I think we can do that with Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds. We got a lot of speed in the backfield. We got a lot of speed to to, to run him down if he does break free. So the one question I have is what he can do in the passing game. Uh, when the Steelers have gotten rid of Mark Barron and are planning on using veteran Vince Williams, who is not, you know, athletic. He's not going to be running with Saquon Barkley, and uh, their tight end is Evan Ingram. And that's that's kind of a matchup issue for the Steelers if they plan on putting Vince Williams out there. Yeah, I was going to say, Evan Ingram is probably like the X factor this game for me. Um, Joe, do you, think, uh, do you think Evan Ingram can possibly pull out like a – 
130 yard type game, couple touchdowns. Like <laughs> that would be an insane game. But that's what Travis Kelsey did a couple years ago when uh, Mark Barron wasn't wasn't uh, a Pittsburgh Steeler when he uh, when he was a Steeler a year ago. Uh, like Jeffrey and I talked about, uh, I believe last week, uh, Mark Barron was able to shut down those kind of tight end uh, guys, like li- limit them a little bit. But uh, they don't they don't have that uh, anymore. Can uh, Evan Ingram have a game like that? So, Jeffrey, I'm really interested that you brought up how Saquon could take over in the passing game and then putting that together with him and Ingram, those really are going to be the keys for the Giants moving the ball. There's going to be a ton of pressure. I think Mike Tomlin and the the full coaching staff is going to be committed to going after Daniel Jones and forcing him to make mistakes. So if you can get Evan Ingram the ball in short to intermediate situations, he is fast enough to – dominate against some of those mismatches that you guys pointed out you could get him on a drag route and he could take that for 15 to 20 yards if you're over committing to attacking Daniel Jones and the same thing is going to go for Saquon Daniel Jones needs to be smart and looking for those dump off type plays and not looking to always stretch the field despite the air Coriel that Jason Garrett is bringing being very very aggressive and attacking down the field It, it needs to be a little bit of a different approach because of how limited amount of time he's going to have to throw the ball. Right. Now, um, speaking of Daniel Jones, what are reports out of camp like? Is, is he having a good year? Is this, uh, is this uh, a guy that uh, could have a, a sophomore explosion? I certainly think so. I think the big thing that you have to point to that doesn't even require hearing how things were going in camp, the dude's huge compared to what he, what he was last year. And it's not like he got fat and he – he looks like, no offense, Ben Roethlisberger. He looks built. He looks oh, like, like kind of like Cam Newton oh, yeah. with the amount of muscle that he added on. And I think that was the big reason why he was fumbling so much and he was taking all these hits. I think that he can now compete uh, as a runner. I think that he can compete with not getting the ball ripped out of his hands when he gets sacked. The other thing, too, is besides you know him bulking up and adding weight – uh, the, the way he performed in the scrimmages was was decent just based on the statistics from those games. I think the big thing has to just go with better coaching, a better approach to not forcing him to do things that he's not comfortable with. And Pat Shermer was constantly forcing him to do things he wasn't very good at. When you watched him do the things that he was very efficient at, like fitting the ball in the tight windows and getting the ball out quickly, that's what I think is going to translate now that we have a new offensive coordinator with Jason Garrett. Right now, firstly, I'd I just like to say that uh, Slim Ben, I think, was trending at one point this offseason. Former <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Jeffrey, I pose this to you. What, uh, what's the Steelers got to do to uh, get in Daniel Jones' uh, head and really kind of rough him up? I think it's going to be a lot in the secondary. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick showed that he is good at dis- – him and Terrell Edmonds were disguising defenses a lot last season in some, some pretty good ways. Uh, they brought in Cameron Sutton into that where, where towards the end of the season they had him line up at nickel, and then as soon as the quarterback looks down to get the snap, he's dropping into deep zone, and both tight safeties are coming up. Uh, I think I think they'll throw that at him. I think they'll throw a lot of misdirection. I know typically the Steelers have gone pretty vanilla in their, in their game one matchups. It got us killed in New England last year. But with everyone in the secondary being returning players, everyone at linebacker, every I mean, everyone's – returning from last season. I think they can kind of pick up where they left off there. And I think they'll try and, and get in his head, slow down his initial reads, 
uh, force everything to be post-snap. If you can't rely on your pre-snap read and you're trying to pick up everything post-snap, that just buys, you know, half a second. And with TJ Watt and Bud Dupree and Cam Hayward and to step onto it and blitzing guys like Mike Hilton, that, that just creates havoc and you can't, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create opportunity for those guys to get to the ball. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right. Now, what's uh, what's the vibe on a New York uh, playing against Ben Roethlisberger? Like today uh, at his press conference, Ben even admitted he's going to be nervous. He, he's scared that he's going to be shaking on the sideline. Of course, that <laughs> could just be Ben being Ben, being the drum queen that, he, that we all know he is. But uh, what's kind of the vibe uh, going up against Big Ben uh, first game uh, since uh, since his elbow injury? I just like to say I, I'm glad I'm getting killed in the chat for calling Ben Roethlisberger fat. Um, but I, I will say I'm actually legitimately worried about how this offense is going to completely transform now that Ben Roethlisberger is back. Even though he's 38, he's still a very, very good quarterback. And you could tell last year there was just something missing. There there wasn't the same level of impact for Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges you're getting him back, and that offense is going to transform. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be very, very good, and he's probably going to have a very good game against a makeshift secondary for the Giants. And on top of that, they'll be able to actually run the ball effectively. It seems like there were times last year where you weren't really able to run the ball that well because you couldn't effectively have a balanced offense. Now you have Ben Roethlisberger back. I think James Conner could be in a position to have a big game here as well. Right now, uh, Jeffrey, do you think uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back and be Big Ben again, or is this going to take a couple uh, couple games before he gets uh, back in the swing of things? I'm, I'm going to agree with uh, Ike Taylor when he came on and, and did a podcast with us uh, with another guy from behind the steel curtain where he said what, what Ben Roethlisberger brings is above the neck. You know, it's his, it's his brain. It's his experience. He has seen literally everything the defense can throw at him. Um, we did not have that last season. At the end of the season, we had Duck Hodges, who who had no clue what the New York Jets were doing. They had, you could tell there were times Jamal Lewis just he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what Jamal Lewis was doing. Jamal Adams, wow, Jamal Adams. <laughs> he didn't know what Jamal Adams was doing, and he he was just he's making horrible mistakes because he had no clue what was going on. Ben Roethlisberger brings that intelligence. He brings that experience. Uh, the only questions I have on on that offense is. Juju Smith-Schuster is the only person at the wide receiver room that he's really thrown too much. So there is he's going to be rusty, and it's a bunch of faces that he's barely thrown to. Uh, so there's there's the question for Ben. Um, I want to throw back to Joe. Is uh, Logan Ryan? Logan Ryan was a great addition for you guys. Is he going to be playing Week One? Because he him in the slot could actually you know be a good counter to Juju Smith-Schuster. I would assume he's going to play. They are so desperate right now for corners. With DeAndre Baker's whole situation, I don't even want to get into that. Um, Sam Beal opting out, who we thought was going to be the second starting outside corner. I would expect him to start, and I I think that, like you said, that has to be the Giants' counter to playing Juju in the slot. The the Pittsburgh Steelers use Juju a lot in the slot, and I think that's how he created those mismatches against linebackers 
and smaller corners. But we see Logan Ryan, a very physical guy and a guy that can make plays on the football. So I, I think that he definitely is going to play and they're going to try and expedite him onto the field as quickly as possible so they don't get killed by Juju. Now, uh, another injury in that secondary, uh, second-round pick, uh, McKinney, the, your outside linebacker, Mayo, also, mm -hmm. I believe, both on a IR. I'm not sure if they're there yeah. to get its return, but how do they combat those losses? The, the big thing for combating losing uh, Xavier McKinney, who he's still technically on the roster. He might come back in two to three months. Everything's kind of up in the air with him. David Mayo is completely done, so they're not going to be getting him back. But I, I think the big move was – going and getting Logan Ryan to use him not only in the slot, but I, we, we think that there's a possibility they could use him at safety because he has the skill set to do so. And sometimes you see that happen with older corners when you, you're desperately in need of a transition. Julian Love is going to take a, a much bigger role, and we were expecting him to be a movable chess piece, but right now you have to play him on pretty much every defensive down at free safety. You, you don't have anybody else. He, he is the clear returning guy now I'm confident in Julian Love I think Julian Love is a, a good promising second year safety but he's going to have to fill in in that role as far as filling in for David Mayo who was slotted as the second interior linebacker next to Blake Martinez right now the only two guys in that spot on the roster are um, Tay Crowder who is probably going to be playing a lot more on passing downs and TJ Brunson, both rookies, uh, Brunson out of South Carolina, take Crowder out of Georgia. I don't know entirely what they're going to end up doing because I'm Joe judge is probably trying to leave that up to ambiguity, but I would not be surprised if it was TJ Brunson on first and second down, because that's his wheelhouse defending the run and then take Crowder. Who's a very good pass defender uh, on third down. Now, Jeffrey, does that, uh, does that uh, to you, does that say uh, Eric Ebron or Vance McDonald's going to have a, have potential have a big day or is that uh, the offense coming from somewhere else actually that got, got me thinking of uh james washington and chase claypool uh i don't know i don't know how julian love is is going to be at free safety I, I i really liked him coming out of notre dame uh but ben roethlisberger is his his pump faking his his looking off safeties uh you could see him having a big day if he can get julian love to, to move where he wants him to move uh you could we could see ben testing deep balls against a uh, secondary, which is really having to patch itself together right now. Um, I know uh, Jabril Peppers is healthy, I believe. Uh, how is he developing? Yeah, he is healthy. They got him back after dealing with those back injuries uh, last year that took him out a, a ton. I think he's developing well. He's a very good athlete. He's exactly what Patrick Graham needs in a safety for his defense. He uses a, a multiple front, so he will shift things around. There will be some instances in passing situations where he might only have two down linemen and a ton of linebackers and safeties out there. So I, th I think that he's the perfect guy for that, that he can come down, play in the box. He played as a linebacker at Michigan, basically, yep. and he's also uh, an, good enough of an athlete to play in space. So I think Jabril Peppers could be primed for – uh, a, a progressive step forward in this in this next season, second season with the Giants. Now, if I, if I can follow up, um, yeah, I, I think I think Peppers has a chance to be a big play in this game because 
I don't I don't know your other linebackers. I don't. I, but I know there's there's been a lot of turnover there. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have much in the way of linebackers that can cover, or or is it Jabril Peppers going to take on a bigger role in in facing guys like Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron, who are more athletic at tight end? I would expect Jabril Peppers to probably be covering those tight ends because okay. the the outside linebackers that the Giants have are more so pass rushers. Lorenzo Carter is one that maybe could have a different role than previously with a new defensive coordinator. He was more of a space linebacker, uh, a, a off-ball linebacker at Georgia. The Giants yeah. tried to transition him to a pass rusher. That didn't work as well as we had hoped. So we think that uh, me and Chris, who I do my show with, we think that he might be a little bit more off ball, a little bit less rush the passer. And he's fast enough to run with, with Eric Ebron and, and Vance McDonald if they needed to. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. That's a possibility, but it's probably going to be mostly Jabril. I, I think this is going to be a question that probably runs on throughout the season because both Jeffrey and myself are pretty big fans of the Steelers' second-round pick, Chase Claypool. He's 6'4", 4'2". He was kind of like the star of the, uh, of the combine. Uh, and – I know we haven't seen him in the preseason, but he's probably the Steelers' most likely uh, over-the-top threat. It, would Peppers have to follow him, or is there someone else that uh, would probably uh, those duties fall to? So I, I will say, when I was doing my draft evaluations, I was a huge fan of Chase uh, Claypool as well. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I, I am excited to see what he can do in the NFL, and I'm hearing very good things coming out of uh, a camp for you guys that he could be really, really good. I think that if you have Logan Ryan playing in the slot on Juju and Juju's playing a lot in the slot, it, it's definitely going to be uh, James Bradbury going against Chase Claypool, especially if he gets hot early and Claypool's playing outside at X. They're probably going to put James Bradbury on him one-on-one, -on -one, which is going to be a very tough first matchup for Chase Claypool because James Bradbury has had quality games against the NFC South, South which is uh, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. It's not an easy group that he has to face against, and now he gets to face a rookie essentially in this game. We'll uh, jump over to some of the, the questions in the live chat here that we got some coming up. Uh, Donald Nolan uh, asking, who's having a better year, James Conner or Saquon Barkley? Uh, I think I think I have an answer for that. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe, why don't you take that one first? I'm going to put a, 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 a small – anecdote on this or a, a small uh, bullet point asterisk if you will it depends on who's healthiest the longest because James Conner can have a very good year and they they're just going to feed him and keep giving him a lot of touches and a lot of carries which they did two years ago but if Saquon's on the field for all 16 games I'd have to go with Saquon they're going to use him as a focal point for this offense he might get shut down and slowed down in some games and you have to take into account for these bad games last year the dude was still recovering from an ankle injury, a severe ankle injury, and all of his big plays come from cuts. They come from quick, elusive cuts. That is his best skill. He wasn't able to do that, so he was just running in a straight line for a lot of these games last year. He's back at full strength. If he plays the full year without any issues that deal with anything that's going to affect his cutting and his burst, he is going to have a very, very good season. Jeffrey, instead of posing the same question to you, because I think we, we all have the same answer <laughs> <Yeah>. here. Um, <laughs> can James uh, Connor be healthy enough to finally break a thousand rushing yards? I don't know if I'd rely on a thousand rushing yards. James Connor is kind of hit or miss depending on the, the defenses he faces. You'll see him have big games, but you'll also see games where he just cannot get even get going. Uh, but often you see in those games where he can't get going in the run game, 
he'll put up numbers in the passing game, which is a similar trait, you know, Saquon Barkley puts up is if, if you shut him down in the run game, they can just throw it to him. Yeah. Uh, so I can see James Conner. My, my ideal for James Conner, if they can keep him around uh, the 15 touches or under range a game, that, that will do wonders for him. The more touches he gets, the, the less the results are. And, and the Steelers have a lot of depth at running back. So I would hope uh, we don't see Tomlin go try and run the wheels off of James Conner. I'd like him to stay healthy the whole season. Uh, so I, I hope we see a mixture. I hope we see a mixture of players and we see we see them use both in the running game and the pass game. Joe's James Conner, some of you you take on your fantasy team. Oh yeah, easily. I was I was trying to draft him. Someone sniped him from me. I, I think that he I, I said it earlier. I think he had a, a bad year last year because one, he was hurt, and two, he was dealing with an improper uh, usage because they were so desperate to run the ball and they where they were struggling to throw the ball with with Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges. Before we uh, take it to our break here uh, for the podcast side, um, I do want to pose this, and you're welcome to roast our live chat if you want. Wes, who's uh, <laughs> usually the, the, the house of positivity. Um, Wes, we do love you. Because the Giants sound like a hot mess. Uh, are you buying that? Or uh, or, or uh, you, you can completely roast him. He is used to it. <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to say that they're a hot mess, but this this team could swing negatively very quickly. They lost a lot of people. They lost their starting kicker because of a hit and run while drunk. They lost their starting outside corner because of armed robbery. It's not a really good offseason for a football team that you want. They're also dealing with losing their starting left tag. There's just a lot of missing things. I'm not going to say a hot mess, but this team could also struggle very, very early. Perfect. Now, um, for those of you uh, listening to the podcast form, just hop over to part two. Um, we'll cr- uh, continue our uh, great chat with uh, Joe, uh, Joe DeLeon from uh, Big Blue View. Um, yeah, no, just uh, just flip over. For those of you on YouTube, just uh, continue uh, and uh, we'll keep uh, with the, the full chat for the full hour. Joe's uh, great, uh, great, graciously giving us uh, all <laughs> that time.